0: start with just a a neat piece of information that as you look through the teachings of Jesus throughout the gospel, you will find that 49, there are 49 individual unique metaphors or parables that he used while he was teaching. Why did Jesus use so much storytelling, so much creativity in the way that he taught? Well, I think that you would agree with me on the fact that we usually do better at remembering life situations than legal stipulations. That, you know, we would rather talk about a story than talk about an instruction manual. And and the goal of his teachings were all to break into the way that we lived our life. They weren't, his desire wasn't for us to memorize a certain amount of information. His desire was to transform the way that we lived. And so stories are so much easier for our heart and our mind to hold on to. It's one of the reasons why I love this At The Movies series is because we can tie God's Word in, into stories that might be familiar with us or stories that were really well told that, that will just help stick into our mind. There, there's something, you know, Hollywood is really good at creating that moment, that moment that you remember. And I don't, I don't know what your favorite film would be, But I'm sure that there's a certain moment in a film where you're like, oh, that just, that grabbed me. That moved me. And in the At The Movie series, we want to use some of the work that Hollywood has done to illustrate the truth of the Word of God, to illustrate these stories. Because the fact is, all the stories that they tell, it all really boils back down to love. And God has claimed ownership of love. And so I believe that we can use these stories to point back to Him. Today, the passage we're going to be looking at is in Acts chapter chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Acts chapter 3. If whoever upstairs can reset my countdown timer, the people here will love that. Otherwise, we'll be here till later. If you can't, that's okay. No worries. All right, so starting at Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part of the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. I'm going to pause there, and we'll go through the rest of the passage in a couple minutes. But there's a couple pieces of that that I want to make sure that we understand. And Peter and John, they were going into the temple this afternoon to participate in a prayer service. And that's not like a Wednesday prayer service, but at this time, they actually every day would have three prayer services in the temple. And it was a pattern that they actually took from Psalm 55, 17 is where it's believed it originated from, where David said, I cry out to you morning, afternoon, and night. And that set a pattern for the Hebrew people where they would come into the temple three times per day and spend time praying. And so whenever they were in the city near the temple, you can see that this was a pattern that Peter and John w- would follow three times a day into the temple. And, and we also see that, that this, this person who was born lame from birth, he was carried in there almost every day. And so the first kind of interesting thing is that Peter and John, they've probably walked past this man before. They, they may not have noticed him, they may not have interacted with him, but they've at least walked past him before, because three times a day, they're going in through this gate, and almost every day, he's there begging for money. He was set there to beg m- for money from people. And into the temple, this is just another interesting piece, there's actually nine gates going into the temple. And all of them are beautiful. The eight other gates, th- this one's talking about a specific gate, but the uh, eight other gates, the, they're, they're covered with silver and gold. And I I don't know that we really have any place where it's comparable to that, where you walk in and there's literally silver and gold right there on the gates around you. And all of them were equally beautiful except for this ninth gate that faced east, and this one was extravagant beyond the others. It was larger in size. It had, had polished brass alongside the silver and gold, and it was beautiful. So when people came in to the temple, this is the gate that would, they would normally go through because it is just the most extravagant. It's the tourist destinations, what people came to see, and they'd come in through this gate. So if you're a beggar, it's the best place to be to try to receive money from people. And, and, and so that's just a little background about, about where they were at and what they were doing. And for for this, this man who was placed there every day, he was lame from birth, I wanna begin to just draw the picture in your mind of exactly what this looked like. He has never walked a day in his life. So if you can picture his legs, you know the muscles haven't formed the way they normally would. His legs probably weren't bent the way that healthy legs would be. He's never known the pain of stepping on a Lego. He's never known the joy of dancing. and and he is carried and placed, or he will have to scooch himself, and and this is the way that he's lived his life. And it's the type of person that when you physically see him, you feel that tension of, do I look towards him or not? Because I know that if I look at him too long, I'm going to feel like I have to do something or address it, and so it might just be easier to walk by and not look. But then again, it's kind of interesting, his legs, they look very different, so maybe I'll just stare, and sometimes that's the reaction too. And we have this, th- this person where he has not lived a normal life, and his scars are on the outside invisible. and visible. And we know the situation because some people's scars, some people's pains, they're on the outside and they're visible, some people are more internal and harder to see. And, and the story that I want us to look at kind of alongside this passage today is a story from a movie called Wonder. And it may have gone under your radar because it's, it's kind of, it leans towards a kid's movie, but I'm going to tell you if you sit ho- at home and watch this movie you might want to keep the tissue box close to you because you tend to get something in your eye while you're watching it and your eyes start to water. um, Even if you're a man, that might happen because it it, it does get towards your heart because it does a really good job of illustrating the pain and difficulty that someone walks through when they have this sort of disability. It's about a young man who had a facial cranial um, disability when he was born. He he wasn't born with cheekbones and and there's some other issues surrounding the, the sinus cavity being closed off. And we're gonna we're gonna just see a few small clips from this movie, and it's gonna start off with just a picture of who he is. And the storyline is his parents have decided, even though they've homeschooled him through his whole life, that entering fifth grade, it's time for him to start public school, and this is terrifying to him. And so the the first clip you're gonna see, it's gonna just introduce this character named Augie, and. It's going to also show you what it looked like the dinner at home after his first day at school and his first day wasn't good. So we're going to go ahead and start with this first clip.
1: since then. They've helped me to breathe, to see, to hear without a hearing aid, and some even helped me look a bit better. But none of them have made me look ordinary. He said he
0: doesn't want to go.
1: But he's ready. No, he's not
2: ready. I cannot homeschool him forever. Every year that we wait, it'll just be harder to start. This is the first year of middle school for everyone. He will not be the only new kid.
0: Okay, well, he's going to be the only new kid that looks like him. But will you stop rolling house for just one second, and please listen. It's like leading a lamb to the slaughter, and you know it.
1: I know I'll never just be an ordinary kid. Ordinary kids don't make other kids run away from playgrounds. Ordinary kids don't get stared at wherever they go. But it's okay if you want to stare, too. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade. And since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally and completely petrified.
2: So, Augie? Yeah? Hi. How was your first day of school? Earth to Augie, We asked ask
0: you a question. Come on, how was your day? Good. Good how? Good like it was good?
2: Or good like it was bad and you just don't want to tell
0: us. It was
1: good, okay? I just don't know what you want me to say. It was good. Hey,
0: okay, hey. If you're mad at mom about going to school, it was my idea too. Why
1: can't I just say good like anybody else?
2: That is not the way we leave the table. Hey, come on. Talk to me. Sit down. Take that off, please.
1: I'm sorry. It's okay.
2: It'll be okay. You are not ugly, Auggie.
1: You just have to say that because you're my mom.
2: because I'm your mom, it doesn't (laughs) count? Yeah. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most, because I know you the most. You are not ugly, and anyone who cares to know you will see that.
1: They won't even talk to me. It matters that I look different. I try to pretend that it doesn't, but it does. I know. Is it always gonna matter? I don't know.
2: (laughs) honey, listen. Look at me. We all have marks on our face. I have this wrinkle here from your first surgery and I have these wrinkles here from your last surgery. This is the map that shows us where we're going. And this is the map that shows us where you've been. And it's never ever
1: ugly. What about your gray hair?
2: That's compliments of your.
0: No, as I watch this movie, I somehow find myself feeling inside of the shoes of Augie as well as his parents. I mean, even sometimes the antagonist in the movie, I kind of feel like I'm inside of his shoes. But I I show that because I want want us to feel for a second what it's like to be someone who, who has a disability or someone who feels like they're on the outside. And I think the movie does a really good job. Uh, of conveying that emotion over and across of what it would be like to not be able to have a normal day at school and within that I love the conversation with the mom where where she says you know you're not ugly and he says you you just have to say that because you're mom and she says well does my opinion not count because I'm your mom and he says yes and she says my opinion counts the most because I'm your mom because I know you the best Because the fact is, there's something within us that wants to discredit the voices of those who are close to us. In fact, you know, we can apply this to God as well. We know what God has to say about us in Scripture. uh, About the fact that no matter what we've done, no, no matter what mistakes that we've made, no matter what other pain someone else has brought into our life, no matter how other people would describe us, that He still says... You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I have a plan and a purpose for you. I have a future for you. This is not over for you. We know that scripture is filled with these words and these promises from God, but somehow we just feel like, oh God, you know, you have to say that. And and I know that you say that, but I hold more closely to the opinion of these people who surround me that I probably don't even like than I do yours. And that's, that's insanity. We have to listen to the voice of God above anyone else about who he says we are. And whether someone has a disability, whether someone looks different, whether someone is struggling through an addiction, or whether they have their life all together, the same image of God is written across each person's life. And each person has a unique and undeniable value. And that, that is a truth that we need to hear. That's a truth that we need to feel with our heart. And that's a truth you need to hear from the Word of God. That, that He's not done with you no matter what your life has looked like. Within this, this passage and within the life of Auggie, you know, in his school day, people, you know, either stared at him or ignored him or avoided him. And in the life of this beggar who, you know, Peter and, and John had surely walked by many times as well as countless other people who just walked by and not wanting to even make eye contact. And in this day, it was a typical belief that if you were born with a disability, that it was probably either because your family sinned or because God knew that you would commit a great sin and he punished you in advance. And so a lot of the people who would interact with this this beggar, they, they didn't just have the awkwardness, oh, you look different, there's something wrong with you. There was actually a tangent like, I think you deserve this, and so you deserve to be on that mat. You deserve to not walk, because what your family probably did, because what you were going to do, and there was that added animosity and tension to it, which probably caused him to have this thing where he wanted to ask, but he wouldn't even look at people. And from from the passage, one of the Today is going to be a little bit different in the points of my message because my points are going to be more challenges than points. It's going to be less tweetable and more hopefully something that will just get stuck in your head in a really annoying way as you walk through your week. Uh, because that's what I want. I want you, as you're walking through the situations of your week, I want some of these thoughts to just, just be right there with you. And the, the first challenge of the three challenges that I want to give to you, and I want you to walk one, one of them out, if not all three, but this week, be kind to someone you usually walk past. And at the beginning of the message, I talked about how Hollywood's really good at creating a moment, and when I say be kind to someone you usually just walk past, I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, don't hit them with something, I'm saying actually create some moment with them where you stop and you make eye contact and you find a just even small way to encourage them. Because the, the, the intent of this isn't saying, you know, to use a football term, I'm not asking you to run a touchdown to like build an orphanage on your first try uh, of trying to encourage someone. I'm not saying go huge. Like the, the way that we change the world isn't just by the huge things, but it's really by the small things. That if you can create a small moment where you encourage someone's heart, I believe that God uses that in tremendous ways. And it might feel like we don't walk past people, you know, and ignore them, but, you know, what what did your last bagger at Publix look like? I mean, and it's not that we treat them like a paralyzed person, but I'm just saying, I know the habits, and I know the the common things we do. We walk past lots of people, and we don't even acknowledge them. And it's not that we're trying to be mean, we're busy, we have things to do, getting to the next thing, I understand all those things. But that person has a unique identity, they have a unique identity, battle that they're fighting and maybe just a small word of encouragement that's outside of the normal this is how our society runs might just lift them up in a way that would surprise you so, so my first thing is be kind to someone that you would usually just walk past stop and create that moment with them And and it's interesting, continuing on in the passage in verse 4, it says, Peter and John looked at him intently. He asked them for money, and they stopped, and they looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And this just further paints the picture that as he's on the mat, and he's asking them for money, he's not looking at them because of shame because of past experiences of people saying critical things. He just wants to make the ask, but he doesn't really want to have the interaction because he's afraid because he knows what has happened in the past. And so his eyes are down, and Peter says, look at me. And and he begins to create this moment, and I believe that there is probably something echoing in Peter's heart. And, and, And it's cool because there's something humanizing about this too. For someone who lays on the ground and begs for money, for him to say, make eye contact with me. I want you to look at me. There's something that I want to see your eyes connected to my eyes. And, and I can't help but wonder if in the back of Peter's mind, there's this echoing voice of Jesus because he was there with him when he said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. I mean, that's one of the, the, the things that Jesus gave. He continually said, you know, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself are the most important commandments. The way that we treat people, the way that we make them feel, the way that we love them, it matters. And there was something that just moved in Peter's heart when that man made that ask. And I'm sure that, and we see in the passage that the man who was begging, he thought he was going to get some money when this happened. Because if someone actually will stop and look, that means they're probably compassionate. It means they're probably, if they actually want me to look at them, they're probably going to give me something. They're not cursing at me yet. So this is probably going to get good for me. I'll, I'll receive something to help keep me fed and help support my family. But that wasn't what he was going to do. He actually had a, a surprise um, in store. something that Uh, Peter knew was going to happen I believe from the beginning of this passage when that interaction started but that the beggar didn't and I think that's one of the great opportunities that we have as Christians it's one of the great opportunities we have of being given this mission of sharing this love that can change hearts and eternities and lives and families is that it surprises people because they're not expecting God to interrupt their life like this and they're usually just looking for something smaller just something like a friendship something like a couple bucks and you know, to kind of dive back into part of the story of Auggie, it, Auggie, his big hope was just for one friend. And he had never experienced school and the ups and downs of it, but he, he did begin to make this friend named Jack. And we're going to hop back into the story and just see a little bit of what that felt like for him. And it's neat how the movie illustrates it. But let's go ahead and play that second clip.
1: People long story, but when I eat, I think I chew like some prehistoric swamp turtle. No joke, me too. <laughs> now there's tuna in your face. Yeah, tuna man. No, 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 let me show you how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's even more gross. I like Halloween, but Christmas is still the best holiday. No way. Halloween is the best. A pillowcase of candy versus two weeks off school. You're nuts. (laughs) You see? Even your dog agrees. Hey, Mom, is it okay if Jack comes over? Yes! Thanks, Mrs. B. When you get snow on Christmas... But you can get snow on Halloween. It feels like... If you live in Alaska,
3: or there's a bird I've got to be cool. Fall is here, here they ah! are,
1: back to school, ring the
3: bell, brand the shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, hooks and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends.
1: You ever thought about having plastic surgery? No, I've never thought about it. Why? Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good. We don't notice any time one,
3: two, three, four. I declare fun more. Three, Bow, kiss, begin. We sit side by side said thinks that I sound funny But she likes the way you sing Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed When silly thoughts go through my head About the bugs and alphabet When I wake tomorrow I'll bet That you and me walk together again Fire I can do
1: I told Jack I was going as Boba Fett, not Ghostface.
2: Well, tomorrow is Halloween, and all the shops are closed, and my artistic hands are busy making meatloaf, so you do the math.
1: Fine! I don't care what Jack Will says about Christmas.
3: I was looking in the lab. Hey, Barney!
1: For me, Halloween is the best holiday in the world. It's so awesome when I'm wearing a costume. I usually walk with my head down to avoid being seen. But on Halloween, I walk with my head up high. He did the match.
3: It got on in a flash. He did the he did
1: the,
0: he did the monster
1: match. I don't even know who that was. He didn't even know who I was. It's so cool, especially because people don't like to touch me, because they think I'm contagious. Oh, yeah, Chewie, up high. Him goes the dynamite. They did the match.
3: They did the monster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it really doesn't look like him. <laughs> That's what, right. Yeah. He's always reminded me of like a shrunken head, you know? Oh, or an orc. Yeah. <laughs> if I looked like him, I'd swear. I'd put a hood over my history. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I look like him, I think I'd kill myself. Why do you hang out with him so much, Jack? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Tushman asked me to be his welcome buddy, and now he just follows me around everywhere. Well, that must stink. That (laughs) must stink. Oh, yeah, just. (laughs) 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 Nate.
2: Do you know where his helmet is? He's asking for it, and I've looked everywhere. I don't know. Something at school he won't say, he won't come out of his room, and now he says he doesn't even want to go trick-or-treating. I know.
3: get ready. It's almost time for the Halloween parade.
1: You're supposed to knock. Go away!
3: Mom says you won't say what happened. Did someone say something?
1: Someone always says something!
3: Well, tell me what happened.
1: It's not your business!
3: You took my day with Mom, so it is my business.
1: I heard Jack will talking about me behind my back. He said he'd kill himself if he looked like me.
3: Jack will? Isn't he the nice one?
1: There are no nice ones. I wish I'd never gone to school in the first place.
3: But you were liking school. I know you were. I hate
1: it, okay? I hate it.
3: Augie, I'm sorry, but you're not the only one who has bad days.
1: Bad days? Do people avoid touching you? When a person accidentally touches you, do they call it the plague? No. That was all I had. Just don't compare your bad days at school to mine, okay? Okay.
3: Hey, did you notice that Miranda doesn't come around anymore? What? You didn't. Shocker. Yeah. She went away to camp this summer, and now she doesn't like me anymore. Why? Because school sucks, and people change. So if you want to be a normal kid, Auggie, then those are the rules. So let's go trick-or-treating, okay? Because right now, we're each other's best friends. Really? Yes. So. Come on. I'll let you have all my Halloween candy.
0: School sucks and people change. Those are kind of the rules sometimes, isn't it? And I think that as we watched that, we probably all played on replay uh, a similar event in our own life where someone who was close to us said, damaging words that cut right to our heart, that changed things. And in, in you know, the, this story, it, it's easy to say, you know, that's just the way that life is, that it just goes on like that. But But the privilege that we have as God's people is to say that might be the rules of the world, but our joy is that we get to be rule breakers of that. That, that where other people live that way, we get to live a different way and that we get to see where things just continually break and things just always fall apart. You know, friendships, they always break. Marriages, they always break. Like it's just, it, that's everybody. Everybody gets a divorce these days. But I want to tell you that we, we don't have to follow those rules. In fact, we have different rules to live by and, and what they do is they guide us into something better. Something that breaks the rules of society that actually will take something that's completely broken and bring it to a point of complete healing. And that's what we see that begins to happen in in, in this passage, um, which is is connected to this second challenge as far as creating that moment, creating that moment. The, The second challenge that I want you guys to see is I want you to be kind to someone in a way that they did not expect. I want you to be kind, I want you to create a moment where you're kind to someone in a way that they did not expect. It might surprise them, and this doesn't have to be even outside of your home. This can happen within your household. This might be just as simple as doing something out of the ordinary for someone else. Because the fact is, we all have these, these, these terrible ideas of this is just how life is. That people are just always out for themselves. That people are always just considering themselves above others. But we are to live a different style. And there's a reason for it. Because when we live the way that Scripture teaches us to live, when we show kindness in ways that people don't expect, it points the attention and the honor and the glory towards God in a way that shows them it's not just something that you believe, but this seems to be something that's true. That this seems to work. That when you live this way, we need to be kind in ways that people don't expect. And continuing in the passage, we, we just saw where we're Peter asked him to look at him, and so he looked at him and made eye contact. And then into verse 6, it says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. I just have to pause right there because this is just such a picture of how I've seen God work in my life as well in the life of other people that, that when it, we get into this place where God is going to gonna begin to do a work in our life, it, it's almost like that ninety ten kiss rule from the movie Hitch where it's like he goes most of the way and he just asks you to reach a little bit. It's this picture where, where it says, you know, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. And as he did, there is this moment uh, of saying, of reaching up. And then as he began to go into motion, God began to work. And I just, I love the picture of that because I've experienced that, that when I step out in faith and I don't know if God's going to show up, those are the times where I see him show up. When we begin to move, when we begin to go towards the thing, go towards the way of living that God has called us to. And and this passage, it's it's amazing what he did. I mean, God healed this person who was lame from birth. In verse 8 it says, He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized he was the lame bag- beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And the fact is God still heals today and just like it did then, and it does today. When God heals someone, it, f- it freaks everyone ar- around out. I mean, it's a strange and crazy moment. Because it's not often, but it happens, and I've seen it happen in my life. I've also experienced the times where you pray and ask God for healing, and he says what he said to the Apostle Paul of saying, my grace is enough for you, and you're going to be okay, and you're going to walk through this, and the healing is not going to come in a miraculous way. And in in this situation, in this story, the, the beggar got this amazing healing, and all these people's attention was gathered around it. The reason that we live, in a way that shows grace in an amazing way to those who surround us, it's not just for that miracle moment. It's not just for the ki- the, the act of kindness, because you know what? Kindness in itself it has some value. You know, lo- love God and love your neighbor are the greatest two commandments. Following those, it has value, but it also has purpose. The reason that God healed in the situation is because He wanted to change. What, what not was, was going on in the beggar's heart, but in these people that were all surrounding him. God created an opportunity from that moment that, that Peter stepped into. And the fact is, God always uses people when he, when he changes lives, when he changes other people's hearts, or he changes their physical situation. He uses people. Scripture says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. There, there's this fact that God uses us to advance his kingdom, to change lives and hearts around us. And so we have to seize opportunities that God puts before us. Not just for the huge, not just for the, you know, miracle of healing, but just in the small ways of encouragement, of kindness. And, and that's, that's the thing that I want to push on this. Th- this is not, you know, go out and build an orphanage. This is go out and find a way to show the love of God in a small but meaningful way. And, and that, that, that's the push for today, because the fact is God is going to use people to change situations. And I'm going to show one last short clip from the movie. And th- this comes towards the end uh, as Augie ha- has, you know, fixed his friendship with Jack Will. And in fact, um, Jack had become so close with Augie that there's this kid who keeps picking on him who Jack eventually punches in the face, which was strangely satisfying to see a kid punch another kid in the face. I'm not saying that's a right feeling. I'm just telling you how I felt. Um, but this kid that's been picking on Augie time and time again Eventually one of the other kids who was a bully decides to tell the truth to a teacher and we kind of see this moment unfold. Let's go ahead and roll the last video.
3: Let's go, let's go. Everybody get in here, find your seats. Will we good today? It's gonna be a good one, guys. Alright. Everybody inside. Come on, new month, new preset. <laughs> Look at him. Hey, where's Augie? <laughs> right there. Hey, 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 hey. Why are we running in the hallway? Uh, Augie okay?
1: Yeah. Everything's fine. I went for class.
3: Hey, 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 hey. I you know if you need help, you can ask for it. You're not alone. I know Amos hey, You know something about this. You understand?
2: We take bullying very seriously at this school. There's zero tolerance.
4: Excuse me. Can you explain what's going on here? Wasn't Julian the one who got punched in the mouth? If there's any bullying going on, it isn't my son.
2: You wrote that, Julian? Yes, sir. That one note was on the back of a class photo. Your son photoshopped Augie out of it.
4: No. No, he didn't. I did. Of course, I didn't think that he would bring it to school. But when our friends come over and they see that picture, I want them to ask about our son, not the Pullmans.
2: Mrs. Hobbins, when we pressed Augie, he showed us these other notes that your son left in his locker and... ...and his desk...
3: ...chair...
4: Okay, look, if no one else is gonna have the courage to say it, then I guess I will. These kids are too young to be dealing with this sort of thing. Julian has had nightmares because of that kid. Did you know that? We had to take him to a child psychologist to help him deal with his night terrors.
2: It's just a two-day suspension. You'll stay home from the nature preserve trip. That's all.
4: Two days for a couple of notes from a kid. After all the money that we have poured into the school.
2: We have a lot of friends in the school board, Mr. Tushman.
3: Oh. <sighs> well, I have more.
4: So what would you have us do? Bend over backwards for every single person in the world? Nobody can get their feelings hurt, ever? <laughs> you are not doing these kids any favors.
2: <laughs> Mrs. Albans.
4: He can't change the way he looks. So, maybe we can change the way we see. Yes. I will be sure to tell that to the real world. Thank you for this. We won't be back in the fall. Mom. Like the school. Oh,
3: Mom. I have friends, Dad. Let's go to them.
1: Come on, Mr. Tushman. I'm really sorry.
2: I know you are, Julian.
0: He can't change the way he looks, but maybe we can change the way that we see. I loved that line, um, because so much of the world, we can make excuses. This is just how the world operates. I just need to do what I do, keep my head down, move through my life, take care of myself, and not worry about what's going on around me or outside of me. That's not the calling that Scripture puts in front of us. Scripture actually describes that ahead of you, you have an opportunity that you will see hurting people, you will see broken people, you will see people that when you look at them, it might be difficult for you to even make eye contact. But if you're willing to lean in, God will open an opportunity where you'll see him do incredible things, not just in their life, but in yours as well, because we have found that when we walk in obedience, we see God show up time and time again. We see God heal things in us as we take steps of obedience and what we see happen in verse 12 is the reason that we, that, that, that we take these steps, to, that we step out to try to help people. Band, if you guys can make your way up on stage, I'm going to wrap this up. In verse 12, it says that Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our, our own power or godliness? And then he begins to, in the rest of the chapter, just lay the gospel out. Jesus, he lived amongst you. He died on the cross. You chose a murderer to be released in Barabbas instead of Jesus when you had the opportunity. And he died on that cross, and he was risen from the grave. And you too can have forgiveness if you will believe. And, and, and he sees, you know, I have this opportunity to help someone and then it creates attention and now I have the opportunity to share this message because as I said before, when people see this light inside of you, this fact that you care about other people, it doesn't just convince them that you believe what scripture says, it convinces them that scripture is true because it's no longer just a list of stipulations, but it's actually a story that's being lived out in front of them. And we will see pain in our life. We will see pain in other people's lives. But we don't have to let the way that the world lives dictate how we live. We will let the way that Christ lived dictate how we live. And it gives us the opportunity to encourage and be kind in ways that won't make sense to other people. And the third challenge for you to bring into this week with you is be kind to someone who is currently fighting a battle. Three of them is be kind to someone you usually walk past, be kind to someone in a way they did not expect, be kind to someone who is currently fighting a battle. That's actually kind of the end line of this movie. If you watch it, you'll see the principal share this. Be kind because everyone is fighting a battle. And the person you see at the gas station or in your workplace, their scars may not be on the outside but they might be wounded on the inside. And your small act can be very meaningful. Not just meaningful to them, but your Father in heaven, he rejoices to see you take steps of obedience. So will you do it this week? Will you find an opportunity to create a moment? we do this, I believe we're going to see God do great things in our heart and in the hearts of others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that it is your kindness that leads us towards repentance and that we get to display that same kindness to people even when they don't deserve it. And Father, give us the courage, give us the boldness, give us the adventurous spirit to step out and find a way to create a moment where we show kindness to someone else in your name. And when people ask, we just point the glory back to you. We are generous because we have a generous Heavenly Father. We are loving because Jesus Christ taught us how to love in a way that's beyond what we could even imagine. As we step out, we just pray that you would encourage the hearts of others, encourage our hearts and strengthen this vision and calling you've placed before us. In Jesus' name.